Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan-Sided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison, a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me, checking in from an undisclosed European location. Oh, I've said too much. Uh, <laughs> his fellow Niner Noise uh, uh, contributor, Akshaz Devadula. Akshaz, man, how, how's it going? How are things? What, what's going on? Things are good. Um, yes, as Robert has as said, I am in an undisclosed European location. Um, so it was a little bit of a hassle to get this episode out. So <laughs> make sure you, what's it called, do what you got to do because we're going through all the stops to get out this content for you. But things are pretty good. The one thing I will say that I found quite interesting and relevant to our podcast is that when I search up things when I'm on Wi Fi, they come up in the language of the country I'm in, not oh, English. So, so what's it called? It's been quite a thing because I'll search up the 49ers and it's just a bunch of stuff I can't read. And <laughs> I, I just want to see what's going on. What is and, that say? And when I searched up the MLB, the MLB itself didn't come up. The Yankees came up. So oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, a, there are other major league baseball teams in from an international <laughs> point of view. Maybe they just don't know. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, this is exciting. Our first ever international edition of the Niner Noise podcast. So that's that's cool. Um, so uh, we're we're recording it at bizarre times. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this works out over the, the course of the next couple of weeks. But we'll we'll get it all sorted out. Luckily, it's the off season, so there's not like major pressing things. Like we're not doing. If we were doing a weekly podcast with with this situation, that might be a little complicated, but I think we'll uh, we'll survive. Um, but yeah, so it is um, you know the middle uh, the middle part of the the first section of the off season. I guess we can we can talk about um, kind of where we are in terms of the 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 regular season is still several months away. Um, I, I think the first days of like the the is it the OTAs that are first I always forget how this how this goes um I think I'm it's pretty like, sure it's man is I want to say it's the mini camp first yeah yeah like and that's uh like three weeks away I think it's April 17th was the date that I saw that the Niners will check in for that um which I th- think is still um it's right, right before the draft, and then they'll have the the draft, and then the rookie mini camp. I believe will will take place after that, and then training camp will start in July. Um, so we're we're still a ways away from things, but of course there's there's plenty to talk about. And um, the, uh, the 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 sort of major thing at this point is that you know free agency has basically come and gone, um, which is which is funny to think because it really only started like basically two weeks ago, um, but. And NFL free agency is not like other sports in 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 that regard, where it's pretty much like everything happens within like two or three days with free agency starting, and then it just kind of goes away. And you know, occasionally you'll still see players on the 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 back end of of rosters get brought in. And obviously, where the 49ers are sitting, I'm not sure what their exact uh, uh, roster number is. I, th- I want to say they're either in the late in the late fifties, low part of the sixties in terms of their roster numbers, maybe a little higher than that. So they've got a lot of players left to add. They're more than likely not going to add 11 draftees to the, to the mix. I doubt they'll use all 11 picks just because that's how they roll. But, you know, they'll probably have something like between, you know, 10 and 10 and 20 rookies when it's all said and done between draftees and undrafted guys. But 
the first thing uh, was the free agency. Um, and uh, we, we always knew when we talked about this, uh, how many free agents they had leaving um, and how many free agents they were expecting to to bring in. And I, I, I don't know about you, just from a general point of view, I was actually surprised at at how busy they were in free agency, not only obviously a a top tier guy, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but just in terms of how many just people they brought in at this point. Um, And and especially guys that they could see as, as competing for, for real roster spots. This isn't, this isn't just guys that are just, Oh, you're going to be on the 90 man roster, but you're probably going to be gone in a couple of months. Some interesting names that we'll get into in a minute. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. I especially agree with the kind of like, the amount of activity they had, I think. And this is a plug for an article of mine that I think will be coming out very soon. <laughs> I think they, um, they've had a really interesting approach to free agency now that I find to be kind of the right way you want to approach free agency if you're trying to build a contender. And I just think we'll talk about specific players, but they clearly have set their they're they're clearly principled insofar as what they value and what they don't. Mm-hmm. And I think above all, so long as the team isn't terrible, that's what you want. Because we can quibble about whether certain players are worth more or less than what the Niners gave them, but they're willing to say, we think we can replace you if you are more expensive than this. And I think that allows them to make big splashes like they did this free agency period as well. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's well said. And um, I mean, the, the, the name of this game is, is really about keeping yourself in the contention window for as long as possible. Um, they have a, a little bit of a benefit or a major benefit, I, I should say, with the fact that they're, they're, they have three quarterbacks and I think their total cap hit in amongst the quarterbacks is less than $5 million for this year, or maybe less than six. It's not very much. Um, <laughs> if you, if you look at their, at their uh, their uh, their roster on over the cap, and they have it listed by cap hit. I think Brock Purdy is at the literal at the bottom of the <laughs> the top fifty one group, so that that tells you a lot about that. But uh, we'll we'll talk more about Purdy and the quarterbacks here in just a little bit. But um, let let's start uh, with the players that have have left. So I think they had twenty one um, restricted free agents, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, or unrestricted free agents, and three restricted free agents when free agency started. They ended up losing, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. So twelve of those um, free agents that were on the unrestricted and uh, that unrestricted tag were were uh, allowed to leave. Not a, an unsurprising number, and a lot of them are not terribly shocking. Um, I think there's a couple of guys on here that are like, oh, well, that's a little bit surprising. But um, top of the list, of course, is Mike McGlinchey, who's going to the Broncos. And uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, who is going to the Raiders, they will be joining uh, or facing off against one another, sort of, you know, they're two offensive players, so we can start on that, <laughs> um, in the AFC West. So interesting there. Um, Hassan Ridgeway goes to the Texans, as does Jimmy Ward. Um, I, I, I was actually kind of surprised that it was only those two that, that joined uh, uh, D'Amico Ryans in, in, uh, in Houston. I thought the number would be higher. And... So that's it's kind of interesting to see those players that he kind of keyed in on, and we could talk about that. Emmanuel Mosley goes to the Lions, which is interesting, and I'm uh, 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 
kind of wondering what that decision was uh, about for him. Uh, Aziz Alshire goes to the Titans along with Daniel Brunskill. Uh, Samson Ebicom goes to the Colts. Uh, Charles Amenahu goes to the Chiefs. Maurice Hirsch to the Browns. Tarvarius Moore to the Packers. And I, I actually missed this bit of news, but Jordan Willis goes to the Raiders as well. So that's very interesting. Um, so, Ox does any of those names stand out as like guys you want to call out or or player not call out like what, how dare you leave, but just interesting ones or ones that um, you think the the Niners are going to 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 maybe regret a little bit that they let them go or or, or vice versa. It's it's tough because. So the one player I think for sure, I just I personally think the 49ers have kind of just misvalued in a way is Jimmy Ward. I think I think in general the 49ers have a very weird kind of approach on their safeties. We saw because Jakuski Tart played quite well basically all the time he was healthy, but the Niners were very much like resigned to the fate that he was just not going to be on the team in the future. And I think in many ways, Jimmy Ward kind of fell under the same umbrella. I think Ward's play forced the Niners' hand, and they tried to keep him around a little longer, but it just seemed like they never valued him as the type of safety that he is, where, I mean, you can make the case he's a top top five safety in the league, certainly top ten. So I think that's a player that is hard to replace and played at a high enough level to where that's one that that's not a player you really want to lose in free agency, but it happens and you have to kind of go with it. What I also think is potentially concerning, but could be remedied in the draft is losing Emmanuel Mosley because if his recovery goes well, and hopefully it does, Mosley was playing like an elite corner, and that is his level of play that we haven't seen from Diomedor Lenore. And I think losing Mosley not only puts the impetus on Lenore to continue playing as well as he did near the tail end of the season, especially in the playoffs, but it just takes away a level of security because before you had Mosley, then Lenore, then Thomas. But now it's Lenore then Thomas, and you're getting you're getting close to a situation like in 2021 when you're kind of like put, throwing things together and hoping they work out. So those two, I think, are the ones that really speak to me. All the other signings are unfortunate insofar as like you'd like like I would love for Hassan Ridley to be a depth piece on this defensive line. Same for Jordan Willis, but and then Samson Ebercom and Charles Amenehu, those are both players who, you know, certainly gave you something that you could use. And that's the type of depth. Those are the types of players that you lose in free agency, and it's very hard to keep around. So players like that, it's more of a question of can they get the necessary replacements? And I don't know. They've been able to in the past, and I think most people are banking on them being able to in the future. but. Definitely Ward and Mosley are the ones I'm most concerned about. Yeah, um, I think those def- those names certainly stand out to me as well. Uh, you got to wonder if letting Jimmy Ward go kind of tips their hand a little bit in terms of what the, the plan is with the draft. 
Um, I was writing something this morning, uh, sort of speculating what the plan is at the at the the safety position. Deshaun Gibson is only back for for a year at this point. He was considering maybe retiring at the end of this season. So you got to think the plan is let him kind of run run the 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 spot for for this year, and and they'll draft his replacement this during this uh, this upcoming draft and and see if he can't step in to to play sooner rather than later. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, Mosley is interesting, as you said, simply because it, it, it was the number didn't seem that 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 significant. I think it was six million dollars, one one year deal. Um, so you gotta wonder why the Niners wouldn't be interested in in matching that. I don't know. There's there's a lot of ways you can speculate this. I guess you could question whether or not they if the expectation was okay. Well, do we bring him back on one year deal and then he plays himself out of uh, our price range next year? It, it feels like. Maybe you're kicking the can down the road, and maybe you just prefer to to bring somebody in new that you know you can have for a longer period of time. I I, I don't know. Um, the pass rushers that you noted, of course, uh, are the big ones are are Imenehu and and Abicom, but they both just got paid massive amounts of money, and there's just no way the Niners are going to be able to make that happen, given some other things they did. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. So I think that's a that's a good a good note there. Um, let's move on to the players that they were able to keep. So, um, in terms of returning guys that they had, um, from, uh, the, that were restricted free agents or unrestricted free agents, um, they had Colton McKibbitts who wasn't, I don't think technically was a free agent, but they just, um, rather or he was, he was a, a restricted for an unrestricted free agent. Right. And they, chose not to tender him instead they signed him to a a two-year deal as opposed to paying him for a one-year deal uh sean gibson as we noted on a one-year deal uh long snapper taylor pepper is back for a three-year deal which is just fantastic um i don't know if you saw that video um of him announcing his return it was pretty great uh if you did not see it go look it up on on his twitter it's uh it's pretty hilarious he's a funny guy uh juan jennings he's an exclusive rights free agent so he's got to come back or quit quit playing altogether so Pretty easy there. Uh, Kevin Givens returning. Jake Brindle, four-year deal for the center, who had a breakout year uh, last year. Demetrius Flanagan Fowles coming back on a one-year deal. Also one-year deals for T.Y. McGill and Ross Dwelly. Um, so again, same same kind of question. Any any surprises there? Anything that you're you're excited about from from that group? Beyond the fact that Tabor Pepper is still a 49er. Um, <laughs> Not particularly, and I think, I will say, I think the one thing I'm concerned about is Ross Drolly precluding the 49ers from still making a move to get a TE2. I think that's my, that's my concern. I think in general, though, it's really just players who couldn't really find a market or wanted to stay in San Francisco. And I don't know. I think to some extent it's a testament to the 49ers that the majority of their like core players, and this is true across the league in general, the majority of their core players are just never going to hit the free agent market. So the guys who do head out and then who trickle back in, like there's not a ton to write home about. Obviously, we should mention Colton McKivitz is probably on the fast track to start at right tackle. So he'll be an important player. And I think 
that will be an interesting thing to see. But I think at the same time, that fact that he is back is not that surprising, nor is the price point he's at. I don't know. I just, it seems like very sensible, low-key signings. And that seems like how a good contending team should go about their business. Yeah. Um, agreed on, on all points. I, I don't, for one, think that the Dwelly deal is going to keep them from, from bringing in somebody in the draft. Um, he was not really a part of this team towards the end of the year last year. So that's why it's, it's kind of surprising that he's back at all. Um, considering how often he was a healthy scratch down the, down the stretch, Tyler Kraft seemed to take over his spot. Um, we all know what happened there, but I'm not really sure that Dwelly would have made that block any better than, uh, than Kraft did, but that's neither here nor there. Um, the McKivitz thing is, is interesting in that it kind of gives him a, a, a sense of like, Hey, we feel confident enough in you to keep you around for the next couple of years, but it doesn't preclude anybody else from, uh, from stepping in and taking that job. We'll get into a couple of names here in the, in the, the other list that might be interesting on that, on that front. Um, and then I, I mean, I like bringing Jake Brendel back. I think he was effective, if not like spectacular at the center position. I think having some, some solidification there was really important. Uh, you know, Shanahan's all about making sure his center is, is a, is a really cerebral um, kind of leader on that, that offensive line kind of guy. And he asked so much of him. So it's nice to have somebody who's going to be there for the next couple of years after the sort of, you know, he brought in different people throughout his first couple of seasons here. And it's just like, is this going to stick? Is this going to stick? Oh, nope. That guy got hurt or no. Okay. This isn't working. All right. Alex Mack comes in. Well, oh no, he's only going to play a little bit because he actually wants to retire and all these things. So I think that's a, that's a good move as well. So I'm, I'm looking forward to to seeing how he continues to improve. You know, he's, an, he's a little bit older in terms of age, but he doesn't have a lot of mileage in terms of his, uh, his uh, playing time. Cause he just up until last year, he didn't really played all that much. So I, I think that'll be, that'll be good to see uh, what that says. And, and to your point, on um you know players just wanting to be here that was a big uh you know i listened to to him on uh talk with matt mayoko after he signed on the 49ers talk podcast and he talked about wanting to be in san francisco um and how the 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 culture made it important to 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 be here and so i think that's that that tells us a lot and I, i think that's really important for this for this team yeah um I think we're reaching the point for the 49ers where they've like, and this is like, obviously one team wins the Super Bowl at the end of the year, but the 49ers have kind of established themselves over the last four or five years now to be one of those high-end franchises that's always competing and that generally seems to be in a good position. And I think that's really important because as you kind of develop that um, reputation and as success keeps on coming, you get the benefits of that. Players want to come here. Players want to stay here. And that helps redevelop. It keeps the strong stronger. There's a reason why New England was always able to get free agents and why Kansas City will always get free agents because you come there and you have a chance to win. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really underrated part of the kind of massive rebuild that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have done. And actually I'm going to, I'm going to stop now because I'll get super off topic. But <laughs> I think there's a lot we could talk about is how the 49ers kind of went from 
a weak afterthought to this kind of position now under the guidance of those two. But it's a very underrated part of kind of what they've done. So that they fostered a, a culture that invites players to join. Yeah, I think I think that's 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 absolutely true and a uh, uh, good good thought there. Um, all right, so we had the outgoings, we had the staying puts, and now we have the incomings. Uh, I'm going to start from the most recent and work our way back to the big uh, the big money signing, which um, was I think shocking to most people. Uh, so the most recent uh, deal was offensive tackle Matt Pryor. Um, I'm not sure if we've seen specifics on what his deal is um, in terms of length or anything like that. Um, the the recent suggestion and most of the the uh, the the uh, out the incomings from the outside players would suggest that it's it's either a one or two year deal. Um, in terms of of that, uh, we'll see how that that plays out. Um, he's got some some uh, history as a as a starter in the NFL, so that. Um, along the offensive line, both on both at left tackle and right tackle. So that, that might be a, a name to watch out for. Uh, defensive end Austin Bryant is on a one year deal coming from the Lions. He's sort of underperformed as a as a you know pass rusher and, and really just a, 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 a player in a lot of a lot of ways so far in his tenure coming out of Clemson. Um, John Feliciano comes from the Giants. He also played for the Bills. He has uh, extensive history all along the interior of the offensive line. So he could be. Somebody who kind of steps in is the Daniel Brunskill light, I guess, for this team. Uh, so they have a swing tackle and then you get a swing interior guy. And he could be the immediate backup for Aaron Banks and for Jake Brendel and for Spencer Burford on the inside there. Uh, Miles Hartfe- Hartsfield, I got to get that S on there, Hartsfield. Uh, defensive back, mostly a safety, I think, uh, played uh, with uh, Steve Wilkes in Carolina last year. Uh, so that's somebody that he knows well. We've seen a lot of <laughs> Carolina um, kind of over uh, a, the good relationship between the two teams on opposite ends of the country uh, between the Christian McCaffrey trade and uh, that uh, now that Steve Wilkes is here, you got to think that there's going to be some a, a pretty good onslaught of uh, former Panthers when they when they get the opportunities to do that. Um, Isaiah Oliver comes over from Atlanta two years, um, six point six five million dollar deal. Um, I would imagine that he has a, a pretty good track at being the starting nickelback. Uh, coming into this season. So we'll see how that kind of comes into play. Um, <laughs> and then we have the next one, <laughs> which is a uh, defensive end, Ed Retcher, uh, Cleveland Farrell comes over from the Raiders. Uh, Akshaz, I'll, I'll, I'll let you have your say on that here momentarily. Just, I, just, just that's hilarious to me um, that that is somebody they brought in. It's another reclamation process, progress process. What's the word that I'm looking for? Um, project. There we go. Along the defensive line, Chris Kosarek loves to, to grab those guys that have underperformed in other places. So we'll see how that goes. Sam Darnold coming in uh, with a pretty big um, deal, uh, surprisingly, for a guy who may not even be at the top of the depth chart or even the second part of the depth chart. One year, $4.5 million for the former Panther and Jet. And then the big money deal, the one that I think shocked all of us, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Uh, defensive tackle Javon, we got to get it right because it's Javon, and now we have Javon and Javon along the defensive line. Um, they spell it the same way; it's just pronounced differently. Javon Hargrave, four years, eighty million dollar deal, coming from the Eagles. Um, <laughs> so, Akshaz, what do you th- what do you think about this group? What do you think it says about where the Niners are are at in terms of uh, their team building? And uh, were you as surprised as I were about the Hargrave thing? The Hargrave thing was insane to me because not only is it a big money signing that I didn't expect 
it's at a position I absolutely did not believe the 49ers would spend big money at. I think we, so we discussed edge rushers in our free agency um, kind of preview. And I think both of us were in agreement that that was a place where we could see the Niners kind of give someone a pillow contract and actually splurge a little bit. But I think we all, we both were pretty convinced that they would run back the interior and kind of just hope for health all involved. But Javon Hargrave, he's a menace. He's absolutely in that short list of elite pass rushing defensive tackles. And he fits Corsac's system quite well, perhaps better than DeForest Buckner did. And I think, you know, there's been a lot of talk about how Hargrave's signing is in many ways a referendum on the 49ers' decision. Basically, the only time John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have ever done this to allow premium talent to get away and essentially take the risk of trying to replace premium talent as opposed to dealing with premium talent and kind of replacing things on the side. So huge surprise, but a welcome move. And I think a sign that the 49ers think they have something in Brock Purdy, because I think you only make this move if you're convinced that one of your three quarterbacks is your quarterback of the future. And there's no way you can think Lance is that right now. And there's no way you ever think Sam Darnold will be that. (laughs) So you're kind of like, I think this is an indication that they think their window is open because of Brock Purdy. And we'll get into that probably more specifically in a little bit, but I think this is, this is what they should have done with Lance. And we can talk about some of the mistakes the 49ers have made in dealing with Trey Lance, but I think one of the biggest ones was this insistence to carry Jimmy Garoppolo for for one year and then yep. him coming back last year. Is you remove a lot of the, the power of a rookie contract, and that really harmed the 49ers, I think. it They worked around it in some ways, but now the Hargrave signing is absolutely a sign that they think this team can win it all, and I am inclined to agree with them. And they should get those few remaining pieces kind of fit everything together. And then the the Isaiah Oliver signing, I think great signing. Contract isn't too onerous. He can, at the very worst, be good competition for Sam Womack. At the very best, be a very talented corner. And the most important signing of the (laughs) offseason, because... Somehow, <laughs> the 49ers decided to sign the one play, one of the few players where I think I was like, who like who cares? Like this is a this is not what we're looking for here. But Colin to talk Farrell, about him. <laughs> I mean, I I will say this: um, in 2019, when Farrell went fourth overall, I didn't think he deserved to go fourth overall. But I certainly thought he was really talented, but things just never seem to work out. And, you know, there's no world where I think my issue with the Clement Farrell signing is that that can't be the move to be like, we are now set at edge rusher. And I think the 49ers have to 
be looking at other options because Drake Jackson, Jackson and Clellan, Clellan Farrell opposite Nick Bosa is not enough. No matter how good Hargrave is, it's not enough. But if you're taking him and you're kind of hoping he can be Charles Amenahu light, um, Arden Key light, Samson Ebukum light, and kind of tap into some of that potential there, yeah, it's a it's a good signing. It's a smart, disciplined signing, but it's it's so boring. Yeah. I mean, you, we saw it coming. You didn't even, I, as soon as you were like, I don't want to talk about it, like the less said about that, the better. I was like, oh, guess what? Yep. <laughs> Here it comes. Um, I mean, I, I think I generally agree with that. Um, we would love to see like a a higher level pass rusher opposite Nick Bosa. And and they, they kind of did that right because Hargrave is that high level pass rusher, but he's just going to be next to him instead of on the opposite side. So, you know, I think there's an argument to be made that they, the 49ers now have two players that along that defensive line that you, you must and absolutely double team and figure out like game plans to deal with them specifically, which just means good things for Eric Armstead. It means good things for Drake Jackson and Cleveland Farrell. And, you know, if Austin Bryant sticks and really any of those other guys, because there's only five offensive linemen. And now you have two guys that you have to pay a lot of attention to and maybe double team. So that leaves the math doesn't work out right in that particular case. So you're either having to leave a tight end or running back into block. And that seems like in favor of the the defensive line in that particular case. Um, so you got to wonder how much that comes into play. If they look at at Hargrave and they look at Bosa and they say, we have these two guys. And then Armstead is a really good player too. And it's like, we have three top notch guys at their positions and, you know, maybe the, maybe it's a, a little, a little overly, uh, maybe maybe it's not the right way to, to look at it, but they can say we can get away with a rotation of of good good to to really good players at that other defensive end slash edge rusher spot and probably be okay. And maybe they're right, maybe they're not. Um, I certainly anticipate they're going to get at least one, maybe two of those of more guys to compete. Um, I'm really interested in that spot in the draft where they have 99, 101, 102, which is just fantastic because it means they can do a lot of different things with that because um, <laughs> they can basically take whoever they want in those three spots uh, because there's only one team drafting in between those three picks. So I think it's it's going to be really interesting to see. I expect, as we noted before, there's probably some combination of safety, tight ends, edge rusher, maybe offensive linemen in that group among those three picks. It'll be really interesting, but we'll, we'll get into that later. Um, but I mean, I'm excited. I think they did, they did the work they needed to do. There's some interesting players here. Um, I, I think they're still going to have to do some, some good work in the draft, but the free agency seems to have by and large been successful, even if it wasn't what we were expecting in terms of the Javon Hargrave trade or signing, I should say. Yeah, I agree. I think the one thing is the, so John Lynch said, I'm fairly confident, but I'm not making this paraphrase up from him, <laughs> is that they, was, they thought that the defensive line had taken a bit of a step back from what the pinnacle was to them in 2019, and they wanted to get back to that. And I think 2019 is a great parallel to make, because if we go side by side, I think Armstead was better in 2019 than he is now but that doesn't mean he's bad now i think it just means more wear and tear on the body is kind of 
taking him down just a tiny step. Bosa is understandably much better. Buckner and Hargrave, at the current times they were at, I think you can make an argument either way, but I think for Korosek, Hargrave fits what he wants more from the defensive tackle. But the thing about 2019 was that that pass rush was incredible and electric when D Ford was healthy. Right. D Ford was the, gave them the ability to just like change a game on a dime. And I think Nick Bosa for how talented he is still doesn't really do that per se for the 49ers now. That's not to say he's not incredible defensive player of the year, but Ford was able to just speed up quarterbacks so quickly because of just his release off the edge. And I think you want to get that counter to Bosa's methodical, technical attack, that freak athlete who just wins immediately. Because when you have a situation where no one is safe on the offensive line. That's where you get a lot of these incredible pass rush opportunities and chance for big plays. And I think the 49ers defense last year, D'Amico Ryans had to at many times manufacture those opportunities by creating what were incredibly complex kind of coverage disguises and blitz disguises that worked because Fred Warner is like not human and you can throw him in the a gap and have him run all the way 30 yards down the field and cover a slot receiver perfectly. But I think being able to just put your four guys, line them up, do nothing, say nothing and say, get me a sack and they can do it. I still think the Niners are missing one more piece one other guy that makes you feel like, okay, yeah, they can do it. Yeah. I mean, and I think from, from an athletic, like human being point of view, I think both Drake Jackson and Cleveland Farrell fit that, that mold. It's just a matter of whether or not Farrell, who's shown that he hasn't been able to put it together so far in the NFL and Drake Jackson, who's just coming into a second year in the league, you know, whether or not they'll, they will kind of turn into that remains to be seen. And so it's a lot to bank on. It's a lot of pressure to put on those two guys. But I also think from their perspective, what better position could you find yourself in where you're the afterthought of a defensive line at any given point? And people are like, okay, well, we don't, we're worried about all the, those other three guys that are going to terrorize us. And you just get to do work one-on-one on, on the weakest part of the offensive line, you know, the right tackle, left tackle, whichever side they want to put you on. And I, I think that could help benefit both of those guys in, in the long run. But I think you're right. I think that it would be would it have been nice if they'd gone off, gone out and gotten a Zadarius Smith type of type of guy to to work there. Sure. Um, it financially probably doesn't make sense because they're going to give Nick Bosa a whole heck of a lot of money in a very uh, in the very near future. Um which get, get excited, actually, as we are getting close to everybody freaking about out about why the Nick Bosa deal isn't done yet. Um, we're we're almost there. I think within the next month or two, we're gonna people, you know, because that's that's the on cue. Like, oh no, why hasn't such and such a player signed his extension yet? When we know that none of this stuff gets done until July, and we just need to know that. So everybody, that's my my reminder to you to calm down. 
it'll it'll get done. <laughs> so um, I think by and large, I, I feel pretty good about this defensive line. I think you're right. They underperformed a little bit last year. Um, just in terms of being able to get pressure with four, that was the big selling point, especially when Robert Sala was there, that they could get pressure with four. So sometimes it allowed for, you know, less than stellar play in the in the secondary because they only needed four defensive linemen to get to the quarterback and they didn't have to cover for very long. But and I think they can still continue to be to do that. But uh, Javon Hargrave really makes that that even more possible at this point. Absolutely. I think, you know, there's they're walking a, a beautifully complex fine line simply because as opposed to any other contending team in the NFL. Because if you talk about shortlist, who are the five, six teams in the NFL right now you think could win the Super Bowl, I'd probably go Chiefs, Bengals, Bills, 49ers, Eagles. And after that, I would have to think and really like argue as to whether someone else should make the list. Maybe Cowboys, I guess. But the one thing... <laughs> The one thing that makes the 49ers different from these other teams is that they don't have that established star quarterback. And I think that forces, so long as you don't have that anchor point, that forces and also kind of motivates this constant attempt to make every other part of the roster as insanely talented as possible to where you don't even have to think about having a quarterback. And I mean... Honestly, last year, we saw the logical extreme to that before Josh Johnson kind of had that fumble that completely tilted the game. The 49ers had functionally no quarterback and were right in the NFC Championship game entirely because the rest of their roster was so damn talented. So it's weird. Their their whole roster approach is built upon a really uneasy state of we don't know if we get consistent play from the most important position. So let's make everything else as good as possible so we can insulate ourselves from that. Yeah. Um, And that uh, right there is what you call a professional segue into the last thing that we need to talk about. Well done. Well done. Um, So they are having the NFL, meetings, I guess the owners meetings, I'm not really sure what you technically refer to them um, as. And so Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are both out there, um, you know, doing media stuff. And uh, the other day uh, at the beginning of the owners meetings, John Lynch was uh, having a conversation with some of the media people. And he had this to say about uh, Brock Purdy. He said, I think Brock has earned the right with the way he played uh, that he's probably the leader in the clubhouse at that. I'll let Kyle make those kind of kinds of decisions, but I know when we talk, I think Brock's probably earned the right to be the guy. If we were to line up, he'd probably take that first snap. Um, now, of course, that <laughs> takes into account does not take into account um, the fact that uh, that that Brock Purdy cannot currently throw a football due to the fact that he just had uh, surgery on his elbow just like a month ago. Um, but it is an interesting thing for. Um, for Lynch to say at this particular point. Now, Kyle Shanahan came out this morning, uh, it's Tuesday morning, and um, said not the opposite, but he also said something about 
how you know Trey has an opportunity to 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 earn the starting job back, and that the the injury to Brock really allows him that chance to to step into and take over the role, and that if he does that, he could have a shot. He mentioned something about how he, he, the expectation is that that Brock could be ready around week one, but he's also been told it could be as late as week four. So, you know, he's doing his Shanahan thing where he's not, you know, he's hemming and hawing about different things. He's like, well, it could be this, what well, could be that. Some of it I think is, is expert level trolling on his part where he just wants to get people to talk about it. But it, it also allows him to not like give away anything in, in terms of what they think or what they're, what they're planning on. So, um, what do you, what do you think about those comments from Lynch and those comments from Shanahan to a lesser extent? Uh, you know, are they, uh, is it the right thing to say? Does it make sense that they're both kind of saying different things or, you know, and, and first and, and kind of of the utmost is what Lynch is saying. Correct. I think almost. I, so. I think Lynch's comments kind of categorically fit what the 49ers have approached. And he says as much, he says, as a, as an organization, we say, once you're drafted, we don't care. Like you're on the team, you compete. And it doesn't matter when you made the, how you made the team, you have to earn your spot. And I think in that way, there's no world where you can argue that Trey Lance deserves to start over Brock Purdy. And that's not even to say anything about Lance. That's just the brutal reality of the situation and just how the 49ers have failed Trey Lance in as spectacularly magnanimous way. If there was one thing a quarterback from NDSU who had played basically one full season where he was a dual threat quarterback needed, it was passing snaps. And the one thing the 49ers didn't give him was passing snaps. And now, you know, the, the NFL is a business. The Niners have a quarterback who, whether or not his long-term ceiling matches that of Lance, is, can win right now and is probably, you know, better than Jimmy Garoppolo, perhaps. At least certainly played like it. So I think in that way, what Lynch is saying is what everyone kind of expects to be the case. But the fact that it is the case is, I think, an indictment on the 49ers. It's a a celebration of the fact that they found Brock Purdy, which is one of the, regardless of what Purdy's final like career trajectory looks like, the mere fact that you got a quarterback who is NFL starting plus caliber for one year as a rookie with the last pick of the NFL draft It's an absolute win for your entire front office. But I think that the 49ers incorrectly scouted Lance, incorrectly assumed what he could and couldn't do, and incorrectly approached how his development was necessary. And I think if this was the way if they had this like perspective of what they wanted in their quarterback, then they should have taken Justin Fields because there's no reason why, given the way they've treated Lance, that they could have, um, unless they completely missed on Lance as a prospect, there's no world in where their approach could possibly be justified. I think Shanahan's comments are like coach speak, basically. <laughs> I actually, I read nothing into them. 
because I think he's always said things like this. And, like, he's right. There is no guarantee of when Purdy will come back. And, you know, Lance is talented, so it is a competition, I guess. But I find Lynch's comments far more interesting because I think they are a great insight into how the 49ers have approached the situation, but they're equally an insight into how the 49ers shouldn't have approached the situation overall. And when inevitably, because I think, and it's so frustrating too, because I think when Lance got drafted, I, I for one was a proponent of Lance getting drafted and I was very excited about the pick. I just think, the promise of what Trey Lyons could bring to this franchise has just not been, you can't even find it out. And the injury is a freak thing and it is what it is. But even if that injury never happened, I just don't think the 49ers had the correct plan for dealing with a quarterback like Trey Lance. And I think their pivot and what will likely be the eventual release or you know, quiet departure of Lance in a year or two is unfortunate and is like a sign of a team that didn't know what it was trying to do at the quarterback position and kind of like lucked into a solution potentially in Brock Purdy. So I don't know. I'm being very cynical about it, I think. And a little more harsh on it because I think the 49ers have been so good at so many things and they've created this culture and standard that like their evaluations are almost always on point. The players they get are incredibly talented and they just churn out amazing talent that is like standard bearers across the league that they're like befuddling treatment of the quarterback position and the mere fact that they simply they didn't seem to like know what they were doing is I think frustrating to me. But practically speaking, it makes sense. I think if Purdy is healthy, he has to start. Since the 49ers are cursed for all eternity to never have quarterback health, Lance will get in there. And because, you know, God is a masochist and doesn't want us to enjoy life sam darnold will play meaningful snaps so, so sam yeah. darnold's winning the super bowl in in vegas this year is that what you're saying exactly cool i'm all for it whatever i don't even care at this point <laughs> um whatever it's it, it is what it is but yeah i mean i think you're 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 pretty spot on 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 everything there i i think um, it's, you know, as you said, the injury that Lance sustained was unfortunate. Um, but he probably should have been playing from, from the outset. I get the whole, like, we have a Super Bowl roster and a, and a rookie has never won the Super Bowl, blah, 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 blah. But, uh, you know, frankly, Jimmy Garoppolo has never won a Super Bowl either. And that was the decision to, to kind of keep him in there. So, you know, you could say that. Um, and if in knowing that, that Garoppolo was not going to be the long-term answer, they probably should have cut um, bait with him earlier rather than, than than letting it go on as long as he can. And then him getting injured last year would not have been as much of a big deal because we have already had a full season with, with Lance. And then you go, and by that point, you probably have a pretty good feel about whether or not he's your guy or not. And then he gets hurt last year, and then you you deal with that as you will because it probably is Brock, Brock Purdy who steps in and, and plays most of uh, most of last year as opposed to uh, – 
to Garoppolo and the way that it that it did play out. So, um, but yeah, so um, uh, it's it's very interesting. Um, lots of things to 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 kind of get through. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think by and large, I I agree with everything that you're that you're saying. Um, consequently, uh, I, I I think that that uh, that Lance is probably playing out this contract. If there's too much there's too much potential dead money um, and almost no cap savings if he gets cut. Really, the only cutting point would be it's really got to be a trade at this point. And frankly, if he's you know languishing in the in the back end of this of this team's uh as the the backup i I just don't see it happening so we'll see we'll see how that goes um all right so uh i seem to have lost akshas it's 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 europe's fault i'm blaming europe um so uh, um anyway so uh folks uh again thanks for um always uh for joining us with this episode of the niner noise podcast part of the fan-sided podcast network please continue to check out ninernoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis and be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and of course share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends so until next time let's sound the horn 49ers Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.